Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reimbold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. Uh, we're going to start tonight a study, and probably I will I will take this tonight and go back again on Sunday night with it, because we're going to start talking about Passover, Pesach, P-E-S-A-C-H in Hebrew, Pesach. Now this is the time of which... Israel, which you and I, our ancestors, left Egypt. All right? And the key to this is to know and to understand 
that all of this was done in accordance to God. And I, I want to start tonight by taking you all the way back into, the, into what I call the Genesis Passover. And you say, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, now that, uh, that happened with Moses. Well, just hang on. I want to show you how God was already forming within His leadership. Already was He forming and getting ready to bring forth the unleavened bread, bringing forth the haste of leaving, of which they had to leave so quick that they couldn't let, let the bread raise, so it was, had no raising power or no leavening power within it. Turn with me in Genesis, the 18th chapter, and we're going to start there tonight. And I'm going to take you through some of this. Uh, this I don't think this is going to get long and boring. I think you're going to find, hopefully, you'll find this very interesting to begin to understand how God began to form all this so that one day that there would be an Egypt, one day there would be a Passover, and one day there would be an understanding to this thing, because you and I must understand these. Now, our, our Seder service, or our, our Passover service, is going to be held on Sunday. And now listen, that is your bunny Easter service. <laughs> Somebody said, ain't you going to have Easter? We're not going to chase the Easter eggs on that morning that, you know, we got marked on the calendar. And uh, so... Uh, uh, so you do do what you got to do with that, okay? That's that's out of my. I, I'm not responsible for that in your life. So, uh, but that will be our and and, and it's going to be very interesting. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It could be for your children, if you and your children are welcome. It's 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 a long service. These seders are notoriously long, but you're going to find them very interesting. You're going to find exactly what they did and how they did it and why they did it before we get out there to it. So you'll understand how to act. We do want to know how to act, don't we? And one of the things you'll learn about the Seder is that you take four cups of wine, and every time that we drink of the Passover wine, you will lean to the left. When you eat the meal, you will lean to the left. Because what they usually do is everybody brings a pillow and puts it over on this side, and they lean on that side. And the reason they do that was because the Roman nobility, when they ate and when they drink out of this is us, and we are the nobility of all of Rome, and over you too, Israel. They leaned to the left when they ate and drank. And that's one of the things we'll be talking about as we get into this, but it's going to be a ways, because right now I want to take you into the Genesis, the 18th uh, chapter, the first verse. And the Lord appeared unto him, now who's him, into Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye have shall pass on, for there, therefore... Are ye come to your servant? And they said, So do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now, notice how, and what I want to, to, you to understand here is when he went in and he said, Quickly make, quickly make this. Quickly make this, quickly, quickly uh, make the bread and get it done. Now, the thing that you need to understand about this was that by her doing this and doing it in a hurried fashion was something that Israel was going to have to, was going to know about in, in the end or in the time of their, their passing from Egypt. And so it was known then uh, that it was a fact that this Passover and the fact that their firstborn son of which they had waited years and years and years on, as which they pronounced to Abraham and to Sarah. 
And we're going to find out about why it's so important about the firstborn, the firstborn son, in your family, in my family, in their families, all right? So now turn with me, if you will, and, and well, I had down here too in the notes, uh, we're talking about the haste, the leaving of Sodom, uh, took place in Genesis 19, 1 and 3. And if you'll turn there, it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at Eden, and Lot said unto to the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, to your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now, uh, the third verse. And he pressed upon them greatly, and turned unto him, and, and entered into his house, and made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So there's unleavened bread again. Now, somebody said, well, it's easy to realize why they had unleavened bread, because they didn't have any leaven. Now, you can play that game if you want to, but they had it, and it was available. And obviously, in Sodom and Gomorrah, the most uh, uh, modern cities at that time, on the fa- known cities on the face of the earth. Uh, but there was something about that. And you know they had unleavened bread, and then you know how hastily they did leave Sodom. So again, uh, by, by realizing that, that this wasn't something that there was, a, you know, a mistake. There was no mistake uh, made. Now, we know, turn with me in Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, 12. I'm going to go 15, 12 through 14. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an on, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, No, of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. So there was the, there was the, the absoluteness unto Abram, Abraham as to what was going to happen unto the nation that he was going to become. All right, 400 years. Well, they were in bondage, and actually 430 years. And God heard their cry, and God then brought them out of Egypt. So the, the, the setup of this thing, as real as it seems to be, was already being born within them at that time. God never does anything, and it's important to realize that He never does anything in secret. God always is preparing us. God is preparing the earth for the return of His Son, Yeshua, Jesus. God is preparing the earth. He was preparing them to receive and to keep this great feast called Passover. And the reasoning behind it was all set in the beginning. Again, it wasn't a surprise to them. They were keeping that type of thing. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, uh, turn there, Exodus 12, and there's so much to teach on this. Again, I'm, I'm not going to be able to to or not take the time to go through all of it, but I'm going to give you enough of it that you won't choke on it, but it's going to give you a real understanding of what this whole thing is really all about. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So what is Pesach? It is the first month. April is the first month of the new year, 5759. 5759, I think that's right, because we're in 5758, 5759 of all of Israel. It will begin uh, this coming uh, month that we know as April. Now listen, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house that fathers a lamb for a house. Now notice what that says, the tenth day. Now, if you have a Hebrew calendar or you have a Gregorian calendar that's marked properly by the lunar Hebrew calendar, you will find out that the 10th is absolutely the day of which we are going to begin Pesach or Passover. Now, what day is that going to be? You will notice when that day comes or that eve- the evening of that day arrives, you will look up that night, and there will also be the same thing that we just saw with the passing of Perm. There will be a full moon. Was there a full moon when they left Egypt? You bet your booties. Okay? You can bet your booties there was, because there was. 
Now it says, If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you count for the lamb. Make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. They'll have no defects. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now notice it's where they eat the lamb. Now this can't. Now you're going to notice you can't. You can't take that lamb and eat it over there in that building, and then come over and put the blood on that on those doorposts. It won't work. Now this is very significant to understand. You cannot take the sacrificial blood of the Lord Yeshua Jesus and put it on anybody else's doorpost. It won't work. It only works for your doorpost, and you eat of him or partake of him within your own confines of your own home. See, that's a reason that you can't make. Uh, it's a reason you can't make your children receive Yeshua, and you can't receive. And, and after they're the age and, and the age of adulthood in in Judaism is thirteen, both men and girls, boys and girls, I should say. So you uh, you are no longer able, even though you pray for them and you believe God for them, they are absolutely have to then be able to enter in sacrifice. Sacrificed by receiving uh, Yeshua into their own hearts and using His blood and the covering of His blood for themselves. And that's what that's about. All right? Now listen, and it goes on. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs, they shall eat, they shall eat it. Now, you need to probably underline all that, color it in, but you should be sure to set it aside because this is part of the, the Passover Seder in which you're going to participate in and which if we can get it put together that you'll be able to perform even in your homes with your children and or your family. Okay? But you're going to eat the flesh in that night, roast with the fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the, the pure pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now there is the first time that he tells them what this is about. It's the Lord's Passover. Now, and we're, uh, we're, I don't know tonight whether we're going to get into it. When God passed over all of Israel and all of Egypt, everything that was not covered, every doorpost, every lintel, and the post, the lintel, the post, that did not have that sacrificial blood of that lamb of which they did eat hastily upon it, the firstborn of the animals... The firstborn of all humans died. He said, well, why would God do something like that? I don't know. You really need to ask God. But I know one thing. God was making a point, and He got it made. God had a point to make with all this. God wasn't just doing this to say, look here, I'm God. I'm going to tell you something. God flooded this whole earth once with water making a point too, didn't He? Felt bad enough about it. He made a covenant with with Noah and said, "I'll put a rainbow in the sky, and every time you look at a rainbow, you know me and you got it. Got it. We got a deal cut." And it's been that way all these years. Amen. Let's go on. And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now again, he stamps that with his with his name. He said, I, I'm going to do this. He said, I'm going to execute judgment. Now, any time that God begins to execute judgment, there is not going to be any holding back. But the important thing to understand about God and judgment, if in fact you are children of God, and we are, then He always makes provision to take those and which are His and provide for them, just as He did for Israel. He was about to destroy. He was about to bring judgment in all of Egypt. 
Now, judgment is going to come to the United States of America. It's going to come. There's a type of judgment now that I prophesied some how many years ago, I don't even remember, about what was going to take place in the way of these storms and how I said the wet places were going to get dry, the dry places were going to get wet. Some of you remember that. You don't need to shake your heads, but you would remember that. And I said that there was going to be all types of, of catastrophes in the way of, of weather phenomenon that was going to take place. And we're seeing one after another, after another, after another. Well, that's exactly part of that prophecy. And there's more to the prophecy because God is going to do, as I have prophesied, America is going to come down. And God is going to bring America to its knees. And everything that you think is important today, one of these days, is not going to be important. But I'm going to tell you what's going to be important to you. The words that you're hearing even now, the words that you're going to hear over the next number of years are going to be hid away in your hearts that's going to sustain you throughout the rest of your life on the face of this earth. The Lord Jesus said, pray that you be found worthy to escape the time of tribulation. This is the generation in whom he was speaking. And we will escape it just as they escaped it. But now let me tell you something. The thing that you want to understand about this it ain't just enough to have Jesus. It isn't enough just to have Jesus. They could have, now listen to me, they could have run into their home and said, well, now we're, you know, we're, 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 we're children of God and God's going to pass over, but what would have happened? The firstborn would have died, both a beast and man. Would have died anyway. There was no covering until they did exactly what God said. Now, what did God tell them to exactly do? He said, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and leavened bread, and with bitter herb shall they eat it. He said, That's what they'll do. He said, This is a Passover unto me. This is the Lord's Passover, and this is the way that you will do it, and you will eat it in haste. You will eat it quickly. Now he goes on to say, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses ye are. Now what is the token, the blood? It'll be the, it will be the proof. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord. Now listen, Throughout your generations, plural, ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. He said, you'll keep it by a law forever. Now, some of you in this room may have participated in Passover before. He said, well, we, we always do, Brother Deckard, when we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. No, that's not keeping Passover. That's not what Passover is. We celebrate as Christians, and I've always said this, I've always said that I've never been able to understand why, as a Christian, that we set aside a day to celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord. That is why we are Christians. You want to talk about something being goofball and us getting backwards, that's something you better celebrate every day. Why? Because that's what it's about. But yet we took one day and we acted like, and some of us, because we never went to church any time besides Christmas and Easter, to re-up, right? That we run into church and talk about the death and resurrection and hallelujah. But no, this is Passover. This is about, this is about the death of the one sacrificial lamb that God sent being His only begotten Son. It is about that. But it is the Passover. It is the Passover. It is about God bringing forth an entire nation. Who's ever heard? When in history has it ever been heard or said of that God, a God of any kind, brought forth an entire nation out from another nation with a strong hand? Never has it ever been proclaimed. This is it. The only time in the history of the world had it taken place and Yahweh, the living God, brought forth Israel by a strong hand, the Bible says. Now, if you will, turn with me, go in the 40th verse of the 12th chapter. We're going to skip around just a, a, a little, little bit there. Now, wait, let me make sure I got all this. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want anybody to leave here thinking I missed anything up. 
Now, the 12th, the 40th verse through 42. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. The same day. It is, it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed in all the children of Israel in their generations. Now, understand something, that they came forth and they came out of Egypt, that God did it after 430 years. But understand something, it was on that very day, and when did He bring them out? He brought them out at night. I realize if you watch the, the Ten Commandments, it was daytime. And Charlton Heston was Moses, okay? But the fact of it is, they came out at night. Now, the old sages, the old, the old uh, rabbis of Israel, they believe Israel entered Egypt on Passover. They believe that. And, of course, when, Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, it was also... Passover, because that's what it became to them, all right? Now, in the 12th chapter still, in the 31st verse, I want to back up just, just a bit here, 31 through, down through uh, 37, 38. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Now, who's this? It's Pharaoh. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. Going to kill everybody after that Passover. And the people took their, their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs, being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed, borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. They went and borrowed this stuff from the Egyptians. How about your gold earrings there? Huh? And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Never fired a shot. Never fired a shot, but they took the spoils of Egypt. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about six hundred about six hundred thousand on foot that were that were men, beside children, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. So they came out, didn't they? It must have been quite a show, huh? Must have been quite a show. In fact, it must have been a real show. Now it says that bless God that and a mixed multitude went up also with them. Now that mixed multitude, you, I want you to understand that were was many other people went up with them that were not Israelites, that were not Hebrew. So there, but some jumped on the bandwagon, didn't they? In other words, they must have had a revival during all that. Somebody must have been there witnessing all what everybody else witnessed and said, hey, I'm going with them. God is with them. God's not with them. I'm going with them. I'm throwing in with that bunch because this bunch, even though they've got all the big buildings and they've got the pyramids and they've got, you know, I'm going with this bunch. That's exactly what happened. They decided to also to leave Egypt with Israel. And they just got in line with them. You said, well, well, was that fair? Yeah, it was fair. We're going to show you in a minute how fair it really all is. Now, so not only Israelites, but the Gentiles as well. This is significant because the same folks who stood at the, at the feet of Mount Sinai and received the Torah or the instruction of the law, these people were part of them. And that's important to get a hold of. See, again, and I, and I, you know, I, I realize in some of, some of you probably are 
far already tired of hearing me reiterate over and over and over again some of these things, but it's important that you get these things into your spirit man so they can eventually get into your noggins and you can eventually begin to speak them out of your own mouths to understand what's going on here. There is no way under heaven that you becoming a Christian that you're not a Jew. Because once you enter in to the covenant of God, that covenant was not written by Jesus. That covenant was written by Yahweh, the Father. And because the Father wrote the commandments, Jesus, Yeshua, only implemented that which was written and fulfilled them. He filled them up. He made them complete. He taught within some of them that was important. But at the same time, what we have to begin to understand that we are Jews. They became Jews. They stood at the base of Sinai right there with the rest of them, and there they were. They heard the thunderings. They saw the lightnings, and it scared the turkey out of them. And they had entered in, and they had become part of. And you and I had entered in. The church has always has entered in. We just didn't know we'd entered in. Somebody forgot to tell us we entered in. Now somebody and lots of somebodies are standing up saying, we entered in. 421, Exodus 421, 421, uh, down through 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Now who is Israel? God's firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that ye may serve, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Now grab a hold to the picture. The God that we serve, Yahweh, said, Israel is my firstborn son over there. Now, I'm going to make a deal here with you, Pharaoh, even though I've hardened your heart and you're not going to take the deal. I'm making one anyway. I've had people say, well, that just wasn't fair. You know, you're talking about playing with a loaded deck. I mean, I mean, God had this thing loaded. He said, you either let my firstborn go or I'm going to kill all your firstborn. You don't think God wasn't serious? Don't you think the Father wasn't serious when he, when he absolutely proclaimed unto all of Egypt, this is the way it's going to be. You will let go, my firstborn son, or I will destroy all of yours, beast and man. Well, it goes on in, in, uh, in uh, 1222, back over in 12, I guess I should have told you to put a mark there, 1222. And it goes on to say, And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven. There was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. You want to prospect a little bit? <laughs> Let's see. We just went through Hanukkah, didn't we? And where there wasn't enough oil but to make one day, but it made eight. Everybody in Egypt sat in the dark besides Israel. Huh? Everybody sat there besides... They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the, all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go, ye serve the Lord... Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Now what now what do you suppose what do you suppose he was doing? Well God's firstborn sons and, and, and there again he had to know he had to let all the kids go, but he tried to keep the firstborn of the beast, didn't he? He said, You 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 let them he said, You let them you let them stay. He said, You let them stay. <clears throat> to the church of the firstborn that is written in heaven. 22, 1222, And ye shall take a bunch of hassop and dip it in the blood 
that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. When he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in into your house to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. Now, again, uh, this thing's written in heaven by God himself that it would be done forever. There's something very significant in 22, and I'm just going to mention it then when we get further into this uh, Passover thing, uh, bringing to you and showing you as to Messiah, Yeshua, how he fits in. There's four cups that is always, of wine is always taken on Passover, four. It is a known thing by the rabbis of Israel that one of the things that they said that Jesus could not have been uh, Messiah was that he only took three cups on the night that he was in the upper room. And that's true, he did. But the fourth cup that he took is this cup, the hassock that was given to him on the cross. That was the fourth cup. Today, the rabbis that have had their eyes spiritually open are very excited about finding out that Jesus actually took the fourth cup and how he took it. So a uh, uh, little history there. I guess that doesn't hurt anything. Now, we have to begin to realize, and if you go into Exodus 11, 4 through 8, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. Now, when is this going to happen? At midnight. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that setteth upon the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against all the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Boy, he's drawn a real line, isn't he? And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Pharaoh, I mean, uh, said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall hearken not unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So what he was doing here was, again, he was talking about firstborn. And that's where he was trying to bring this whole thing. He was bringing firstborn to the forefront of realizing the importance of, first, uh, of firstborn. Now, in Exodus 13, in Exodus 13, in the first verse, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Now, there it is again. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and a beast, is, it is mine. Whose is it? It's his. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Abed, which is, which is uh, at that time was the month of March, it says in my margin. I don't know whether that's right or not. And it shall be when, be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites, which he swore unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast unto the Lord. Now, how many days are we going to eat unleavened bread? Seven. You say, what if I don't like it? You probably won't. What does it look like? Kind of like a cracker. You know bread? No bread. Well, I'm just going to go further than this, but we're going to spring this on you tonight. <laughs> I mean, that's just the beginning of it. And somebody said, well, do we have to do all that? Please listen closely. No, you don't. No, you don't. This is a tradition that they have done ever since they left Egypt. This is something that we are going to in turn pass to our children. It is a passing of right. It is a passing of understanding where we had been if God hadn't have done this. Do you know where we would be? Probably still in Egypt. Okay? Now, seventh verse. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee. 
Is there going to be any leavened bread seen in your homes for seven days? No. You said, well, maybe. Well, that'll be your choice. Okay? Neither shall be seen. Uh, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters and all your home. And thou shalt show thy, show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of what that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And that is the saying that all of us must have as Jews. This isn't something that happened to the forefathers. It happened to us. The forefathers just happened to be there to be recipients of that time. But it happened to us, just as though it was us. All right? And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes. Uh-oh. What shall be? See the importance of Passover? Just as important as the commandment. Because Passover is a commandment. Okay? And, and that's the reason, again, some of us get all, you know, get all mystified and trying to talk about legalisms and jumping up and down. I don't suppose there's anybody in this room any, any harder on legalism than me. But there is a difference, again, between what God commands and then what men took and decided to do something with. All right? He said it'll be a memorial. It'll be a memorial between thine eyes that the Lord shall, shall, uh, Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in, in his season from year to year. And it shall be with, it shall be, be when the Lord shall bring thee out, bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee. Make sure I'll I said I'm going to go down through here. That thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh out of the beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou shalt not redeem it, then thou shalt break it his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children thou shalt redeem. And it shall be when thy, thy son asks thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him by strength of hand? The Lord brought out us out from Egypt from the house of bondage, and, and it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord shoe. Uh, slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And I shall be for a to and it shall be for a token upon thine hand, and for frontlets between thine eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. So that should solve the problem as to whether or not and how serious all this is about, whether it should be kept and or how serious this is about. First off, it is a commandment of God. Second off, it is the same identical part of the Shema, of which part of which we have already done in our program tonight, that it is set as wrapped upon our hands, frontless between our, which is the tefillin, which is the funny little box that you see the, 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 the men wearing around their head, wrapped on their arms, It's all there. It's all part of it. Now let us go from there and watch how God links the firstborn with the Passover. You notice that all the firstborn do belong to Him. Okay? Exodus 22:29. Exodus 22:29. Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors, the firstborn of thy sons, Thou shalt give unto me. And that word, thou shalt not delay, it means I'll not hold back these offerings. You'll not hold them back. In, in Exodus 34, in Exodus 34, 18, 34, 18, the Feast of Unleavened Bread thou shalt keep. What is the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Passover or Pesach. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, as I commanded thee in the time of the month of Abib. For the month of Abib thou camest out of Egypt. All that opened the matrix is mine, and every firstling among the cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male. But the firstlings of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou redeem him not, then thou shalt break his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem, and none shall appear before me empty." 
And that was the choice of God. Six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. In earing time and in harvest thou shalt rest. Do you harvest during, during Passover? No. Do you break up the fallow ground? No. You say, well, wait a minute. i got to work when i got to work if you're a farmer. Well, there again, those are choices that you have to make. The thing, that I, the thing that I want to say to you that you'll begin to notice, and you're only going to begin to notice this in time, is the keeping of God's divine instructions will multiply itself to your life. I don't care where your life is. Maybe you've got all the money you need. Maybe you're needing money. Maybe you're needing happiness. Maybe you're needing peace. Maybe you're needing a job. Maybe you're needing this. Maybe you're needing that. These things that we're talking about keeping here, and this is the first of the great feasts, these are all part of the principle of God Himself in order that it may be added unto us for righteousness' sake. The multiplying of this will come, and when it does, then it will begin to add more and more and more as you'll begin to all of a sudden notice that God's done this and all that. Now, what you need to do, you need to begin to realize something. And I, and I was just sharing before service that since I've kept Passover, there's been something very, very, I mean, very substantial that's happened to me. And I'm not going to go through those things up here because it's, quite frankly, none of your business. And secondly is that, that I, I, you know, I'm not going to be talking about names and people that was involved in it. Uh, but since I put the mezuzah, the mezuzahs on my house here two weeks ago, something, again, absolutely pacific, that's a big-time thing, has happened. Now, do we play the game, oh, it would have happened anyway? Now, I don't play those games. See, I don't believe anything in my life happens by chance. I believe that if this Bible is the truth, that God says that He will guide my footsteps, that He will bring the blessings to me, that He will open the windows up and the blessings will hunt me down and overtake me. Well, those blessings that I'm talking about in those two instances have never even entered my property before. But because they have, it is an absolute sign to me. And, that's, and the reason I'm telling this is to you is you need to begin to watch you need to begin to watch and to count or, or to write down or to keep in your minds things that are specifically happening that never happened to you before. Some of you are going to find good jobs. Don't be stupid enough to believe that you did that on your own. Okay? Because you looked all this time and couldn't find one, but all of a sudden because you keep Shabbat, all of a sudden because you're, you're, you're putting the mezuzahs on your door, all of a sudden, men, then when we can get the tefillin and, and all that begin to happen when you pray and you put that on and do, begin to do that, you begin to keep these feasts, don't misunderstand something. This isn't going to happen to you by chance. It's going to happen to you because we are keeping God's commandment. The same thing that Jesus said, keep my commandments if you love me. We are going to keep the commandments. These things are going to happen to you now because we have now found the key. We won't get into that tonight. Now, in Numbers, the third chapter, Numbers, the third chapter, if you will, please, and in the 11th, chapter, the 11th verse, 3.11, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, and I like to stop every once in a while and point out to you the fact that Moses did not have a dream. Moses did not think he had a vision. Moses spoke face to face, and God was doing the talking. Okay? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, and I, and I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that opened the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine." Because all the firstborn are mine, for, all, for on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I howled unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be, I am the Lord. Now what's he saying here? He's saying that, bless God, that what he has done, that he has set apart for himself the firstborn. And now he has selected the Levites to take the place of all those others that were firstborn that would be brought to him to be set aside unto him. Uh, 
You know, when God begins to move into these areas, and He begins to, to look upon and begin to call those things as though He has made them, then you and I have no options. So there isn't any place of argument with God as to what God was doing with all this. In, in, uh, also in that third chapter, if you look over in the 40th verse, and from the 40th verse down through uh, the end of the chapter, And the Lord said unto Moses, Number all the firstborn of the males of the children of Israel from the month old and upward, and take the number of their names. And thou shalt take the, the, the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and the cattle and the Levites of the Levites, instead of all the firstlings among the cattle of the children of Israel. And Moses numbered, as the Lord commanded him, all the firstborn among the children of Israel. And all the firstborn males, the number of names from a month old and upward of those that were numbered of them were twenty, twenty and two thousand, two hundred and three score and thirteen, twenty two thousand two hundred and seventy three. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and of the cattle Levites instead of their cattle, and the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. Now, can you begin to understand why when the Levites then monkeyed up, how come God was so harsh with them? Not only were they, not only were they His, but they were consecrated unto Him. Now, we may want to use the word sanctified unto Him, but consecrated is a better word. And for those that are of the redeemed of the two hundred and three score and thirteen of the firstborn children of Israel, which are more than the Levites, they shall even take five shekels apiece by the pole. After the shekel of the sanctuary shall thou take them the shekel of twenty uh, giras, and thou shalt give the money wherewith the odd number of them to be redeemed unto Aaron and to his sons. And Moses took the redeemed redemption money of them that were over and above them that were redeemed by the Levites. Of the firstborn of the children of Israel took he the money, a thousand three hundred and three score and five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the money of them that they redeemed unto Aaron and to his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, that redemption money that was given of the firstborn, and if you, and we're not going to get into that tonight, and it's hard telling when or and or if we ever will get into it, but if you study that out, then you're going to find out where all this thing of the tithe and the offering and all these things that were given, um, why they were given. It all began again with something that God was putting forth or laying down during that time, which is, again, something that uh, is, is more than just a little important, but it's very important unto God. Now, in Numbers, the eighth, in the eighth uh, chapter Numbers, again, we're still, we're still dealing, still here with firstborn. We've been in Exodus, we've been in Genesis, we've been, you know, right on down the line, we're still dealing with firstborn. So, again, the reason I want you to get a hold of this, I want you to realize how important this was to God. And it not, may not be so important to you, but believe me, it was important to God. Uh, Numbers eight fifteen through 19. And after thee shall the Levites go in and do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt cleanse them and offer them for an offering. For they are holy unto me from among the children of Israel, instead of such an open... Uh, as open every womb, even instead of the firstborn of all the children of Israel, have I taken them unto me. For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast, on the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself. Now, who did that? He did it. And I have taken the Levites all for all the firstborn of the children of Israel, and I have given the Levites a gift to Aaron and to the sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation. And to and that's actually the ten of the ten of the meeting is what they call that. We we call it the tabernacle congregation, but what they actually call that was tent of the meeting. And to make an atonement for the children of Israel, that there shall be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come nigh unto the sanctuary. And Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites according unto all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so did the children of Israel unto them. And the Levites were purified, and they were washed their clothes. And Aaron offered them as an offering before the Lord. And Aaron made an atonement for them to cleanse them. Now, again, I don't want to... This is all symbolic of what Christ came and did. What Yeshua, from the stake or the execution stake, the cross, the tree, whatever you want to deem that as being, that he came to do. But something very important here needs to understand that as being firstborn... 
Now, are you firstborn into Christ? Yes, you are. You say, yeah, but I'm not firstborn in my family. Well, that, we're not talking about that. And you coming into Christ, you coming into Messiah, you coming into Yeshua, one and the same, you become firstborn. Now, notice something. When they went into the tent of the congregation, or before the tent of the congregation, no plague came to them, right? Right? Why? Because they were consecrated, they were sanctified unto the Lord. They were given, they were given unto the Lord. See, when you and I begin to give ourselves unto the Lord, then that same sanctification comes to us. Then you can stand and say that there is no plague that can come nigh my dwelling. There is no disease, there is no sickness that will ever, ever attach itself. No cancers can ever attach itself to me. Why? Because it is absolutely the heritage of the firstborn of the congregation of Israel, which I'm part of, you're part of. Okay? So that's how important all this is. That's how, and again, I, 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 try not, I don't want to apologize here for this thing becoming, this is deep stuff, and I, I, you know, I'm not doing justice to it here, trying to give you an hour here or so of what God is, is trying to do here, and, and, and I'm going to come back and, and start uh, and do some other things here uh, Sunday night to take this thing further. But right now, I want you to grasp onto this. Um, I want you to look in, in Numbers 18. Numbers 18. I want to get a scripture there and one more, and then we're going to close for tonight. Numbers 18. But in order, you, you must have these, this foundation, because without this foundation, we're not going to... Uh, you know, and there, there again, that's, that's one of the things that bothers me greatly about, about some of us that are having to hit and miss. If you're not able to be here, please get... get or the people that aren't here need to be encouraged to get these tapes because I'm telling you, if you start trying to hit a meeting, miss a meeting, hit a meeting, miss a meeting, you're going to miss out part of what brings this whole thing together and glues it together. And then you're going to be all outside looking in and going, well, I don't know whether that's God or not. But if you're here, there's no reason for you not to understand this. I realize that this is deep stuff. I'm teaching you stuff here that, honest to God, uh, could be taught to theologians. And it could be. And I'll guarantee it could be. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't for, this isn't for uh, uh, babes. And even if you're a babe, and when I talk about a babe, I'm talking about a newborn in Christ, you're still going to receive out of this the portion by the anointing that you have to have or need at this time. This is, this is, uh, this is the foundation of why there's Passover. This is the foundation of why the thing with the firstborn was so important to God. And why it's still important today on the face of this earth as you and I coming into the place of the redemption by the redemption of the blood of, uh, of Yeshua, the, the Lamb of God. Okay, uh, I was going to try to get you into 18, 14 through 19. Uh, it goes in here. Everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. Everything that openeth the matrix in all flesh which they bring into the Lord, whether it be a men or beast, shall be my, thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man shall... Thou surely redeem, and the first firstling of, of unclean beasts thou shall uh, thou shall redeem, and thou and those that are to be redeemed from a month old shall thou redeem according to thine uh, estimation for the money of five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, uh, which is twenty giras. But the firstlings of a cow, or the firstlings of a sheep, or the firstlings of a goat, thou shalt not redeem; they are holy. Thou shalt sprinkle their blood upon the altar, and shalt burn their fat for an offering made before for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the flesh of them shall be thine, as the wave, wave breast, and as the right shoulder are thine. What did I say I was going to go through? I think, I think through 18. No, I went to 19. All the heave offering of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by a statute forever. It is a covenant assault forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. What kind of covenant is it? A covenant of salt. You know what salt does? Salt preserves. Okay? It preserves. So again, the firstborn, the firstlings, this is something that God preserved. And now, again, the depths of this thing is real, but the simplicity of it is too. It's just that simple that... The, the, Christ came and redeemed us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's what He came and did. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us 
at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out again all this material that you're hearing taught every day every week folks you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life you know what you can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com we'll be praying for your prayer requests shalom until tomorrow and remember with god all things are possible Thank you.